Good morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line today. We are broadcasting from the Willow Window Broadcast Center. Willow Window, making your home beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks. Visit them online at willowwindow.pro. By the way, let me give you our phone number because I know you're going to be wanting to join us on the air with phone calls or text messages, whichever you prefer. Just don't text while you're driving. Pull over and uh, stop on the side of the road. The phone number is 615-893-1450. Local attorney John Day is with us. John, good morning. Good morning, Bart. Good to have you with us today. Glad to be here. Wet, messy day out there. It is nasty out there, but it's supposed to be nicer this afternoon. Yeah, I, I saw starting about 1 o'clock, I think the sun's going to come out and be springtime again. Well, it feels spring outside, just uh, this is those April showers. <laughs> the old Brig May flowers yeah, thing. We're ready yes, for sir. that. I, I like the April flowers, too. Uh, one of the interesting things in the news over the past uh, month or so uh, this has really been interesting the past uh, week, really. Uh, Tiger Woods' auto accident, not interesting for him. Uh, uh, glad he was not injured too badly. But uh, we're learning a lot from that. Uh, how much information can be used in court? And it's amazing how a vehicle stores information. Well, the the whole Tiger Woods uh, wreck, which was now six weeks ago, has created a media frenzy. I mean, I was sort of shocked. Once everybody found out that he was going to live, which was, you know, I'm sure in doubt for some period of time, the media really hung on to that story for a long time. And it's resurrected itself in the last few days because the police have released the results of uh, an examination of what some people would call the black box of the vehicle Tiger was driving that day. So it, to, the listeners remember that the wreck occurred uh, early in the morning in California. By early in the morning, I don't mean it was dark. I mean, he was on his way to a golf tournament. It was daylight. He was in a largely residential uh, area uh, headed to the golf course, if my memory serves me correctly, when he crossed uh, a median and hit a sign and hit a curb and hit a tree and his car uh, vehicle rolled over it was an SUV and everybody thought at the time geez there must have been speed involved in this wreck uh, but nobody so saw this nobody it? actually saw it no not a single person saw the wreck there were no traffic cameras in the locale so the wreck itself uh, and the, what caused or contributed to it was sort of a mystery. So what the police did is they got a search warrant to search Tiger Woods' vehicle. Not his whole vehicle. Uh, maybe they looked at that, too. But what they were really interested in is, is the event data recorder in the vehicle. Now, these event data recorders are a fascinating little boxes of information. Uh, so let me let me give you an idea of, of, of how they work and what they do. Uh, the, your car today is largely controlled by a series of computers, and there's a computer network inside of your car. Some people uh, listening this morning 
have a car where the volume of the radio goes up as road noise increases and declines as road noise decreases. That's a computer that is gathering information and telling the radio what to do. Uh, there's a series of them, and all this whole computer system includes what's called an event data recorder, uh, EDR, event, event data recorder, and that's where information concerning the speed of Mr. Uh, Wood's vehicle is located, and that's what the police obtained a search warrant to get. Now, do all cars have these little boxes, the black boxes in them? All cars, except for a very few, may today have them. Believe it or not, they're not required, required by any government regulation in the United States. But in 19, uh, pardon me, 2015, Congress said that you don't have to put in an event data recorder to a vehicle. But if you do, it's got to address the following 15. There's a list of 15 things that you have to, um, it's got to gather, the information it's got to gather. So today on the road, 60, 70% of cars have the data. GM was an early adapter of this of gathering this information. It started doing it over 15 years ago. Other car manufacturers came along, but today almost all of them are doing it, and it's all they're all gathering at least this core set of 15 items of data. Now, is this, do they get uh, any rewards for doing it? I mean, what's motivating the manufacturers? They don't usually go out of their way to add expenses to their vehicles. No, they don't. Uh, but they get rewards, uh, not from the federal government by way of any sort of grant or anything, but they get the following benefits. Number one, there needs to be some way to control vehicles and for systems to talk to one another. So they're using computer technology to do that. Number two, it is important to automobile automobile manufacturers to understand whether their airbags are working the way they want them to work and their whole safety restraint system. So by gathering data and analyzing it after a crash, they can determine whether their airbags functioned as they were designed to function. It also can protect them from a product liability lawsuit. So I, I will tell you. So I, that's that sounds. There you go. You well, go. that's another reason, and, and, and we. Uh, you might be a little more cynical than I am, Bart. I don't. I didn't think that was possible. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what they let's let's assume I get these calls all the time, uh, John. I was involved in a car wreck, and my airbags didn't go off. There must be something wrong with them. Well, uh, by accessing the information in the event data recorder uh, an educated person and by educated I mean educated in, in accident reconstruction and engineering can understand whether the airbags should have deployed in that situation and they can also tell us whether the person who was a passenger in the vehicle had a seat belt on or not because a seat belt is a part of the accident uh, prevention or injury prevention system in the car, so that data is there, and it can it can work to help manufacturers. Or quite frankly, it can also work to hurt them, right? Because it can show yes, under these circumstances at this speed, 
with this what they call delta v a change in velocity the airbag should have deployed and they did not so that would that would give the manufacturer helpful information to understand its system and might expose them to liability now is it difficult for the courts to get uh, the admission to get into those uh, black boxes well the owner controls the black box you uh-huh. own the vehicle, and you, therefore, own the contents of the black box under federal law. So did Tiger Woods have to say it's okay for you to look at it? He had the right to say okay. He did. They did not access the box in that way. They obtained a search warrant, which is another way to get it. So they went, the sheriff's department went to the local judge and prevent, uh, presented enough evidence establishing probable cause that some sort of criminal activity had occurred, a, a car wreck that maybe that was a, you know, maybe there was reckless driving, just some information to lead that there was a reasonable basis to authorize a search of that event data recorder. Once they got that search warrant, they were able to access it. So. I'm not I don't know if Tiger Woods was asked for permission. I don't know if the police were afraid by asking for permission while well, I, I would guess he was taking some sort of pain medication right because he had some horrible fractures. Maybe they didn't want to have an issue about whether consent was properly given, whether he could was had the capacity to give consent. So in any event, and I don't mean to suggest Tiger Woods was not cooperating. But they got a search warrant instead. So the courts do have authority to force you to give the police or an opponent in a car wreck case access to your the event data recorder in your car. Now, is there a law that says if you're going this speed in a certain speed zone that that is defined as a certain uh, error that they made, or is it up to the judge to say, uh, yeah, that's that's true, but uh, this was a nice guy, and he's had some other problems. Let's give him a break. Uh, is is how, how much do the courts use the laws? Well, the, the courts are going to authorize a search warrant whenever the legal requirements for a search warrant are met. That is, is there probable cause to believe that a crime may have been committed here? So they're not going to, I would hope, and I quite frankly, I believe, that most most judges are going to not pay attention to whether it's Tiger Woods or John Day or anybody else. They're going to say, what are the facts? Sure. What is the police sure. officer saying under oath that supports the claim that they need access to the vehicle? In a typical car wreck case, where let's say you run into me, mm-hmm. and I, I have to, and I file a lawsuit against you, and you won't give me permission to download the contents of your event data recorder, a court is going to say, does John Day reasonably need this information from Bart's car to proceed in this case? And most judges are going to say yes. So they would give us a allow us to serve and you would be required to give access to the vehicle to a trained professional to download the contents of your event data recorder. Okay, well, let's just give a, a situation that, that that might have happened. Let's say here's a car 
Uh, nobody saw it. Uh, it's driving along. When it wrecks, it doesn't hurt anyone, doesn't hit another vehicle, doesn't hit a pedestrian. And they discovered that, hmm, he was going a little fast, uh, 85 <laughs> and a 40 mile. What are you laughing about? <laughs> Sounds very familiar. Yeah, yes. 85 and a 40 mile zone. Oh, um, how did that, what was the ruling in that case? I think the judge recently made a ruling, didn't he? Well, the, the, the judge didn't make a ruling. What happened is the police decided not to prosecute. Working oh, okay. with the I knew somebody had decided, yeah. okay. And apparently the policy of the local police department there is that if it is a single car wreck where nobody other than the driver was hurt, they are not going to issue a traffic citation even if the black box evidence reveals that there was speeding, that instead they're going to insist upon the testimony of a witness. And there was no witness. And there was no witness. Now, So, who, again, who asked for that material out of the black box? The police? The sheriff's department did. So he made himself look sort of foolish, didn't he? I mean... Here he gets this information, 85 and a 40-mile zone. Uh, why don't we just not prosecute? Well, what they did is they set themselves up for discussions like this on radio talk shows across the country, right? You know, is Tiger Woods That's not the publicity they want. No, <laughs> no, but there's, I think there's something valuable, valuable to be learned by it. And, and quite frankly, I, uh, I don't disagree with their decision not to prosecute him for this reason. It is not uncommon uh, among police departments all over Middle Tennessee, which is where I do most of my work, not to issue traffic citations in single car wrecks. Now, unless there's been drinking and driving or the presence of drugs or something like that, they many times, I think the, the, the judgment is by the police officer working in conjunction with the DA's office, either with an implied understanding or discussions, this person's been through enough. They've wrecked their car. They've been hurt. Uh, sure, somebody else could have been involved, but we're not going to take up court time and court money uh, to prosecute a person who doesn't hurt anybody else. And that's the rule they apparently have in this jurisdiction in California. And it sort of makes sense. Think about it from this way. What would the charge against Tiger Woods have been? Speeding more than 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. What's the fine? It might be $200. It might be 250 Tiger Woods makes more money than that every minute. And I mean every minute, right? Right. <laughs> so the fine does no good to punish Tiger Woods. Uh, once again, I'm not suggesting that he... He deserves special treatment, but let's say it wasn't Tiger Woods. But there's no lesson to be learned by him. Well, well, I, I can he's make thankful it, he's not dead. Well, I would hope the lesson would be learned by him. And if if the lesson wasn't learned by getting throwing out of the golfing circuit for six months or a year, and maybe forever, maybe never being able to play back to your capacity. Maybe having your name splashed all over the press in a negative way for several months. If that isn't enough to teach him a lesson, I don't know that a $200 fine is. 
I'm wondering, would this help to pass the message along to drivers? Whatever the speed limit is, whatever is posted, in most cases there is some thought, I hope, put behind the determination of what that speed limit is uh, in that area. Uh, And it wasn't just thrown out there uh, haphazardly. We need to follow the recommendations for safety. Yeah, I, 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 you could make that argument, and it's not a bad argument, Bart. And well, I mean, especially on the interstate, if you go seventy miles an hour, if you go seventy-five, people are going to fly past you. There is, there is no doubt about that, including police cars. It, there's no doubt about that. But I will say this: if police officers started tomorrow morning and they announced. We're going to start writing tickets for anybody who goes one mile an hour over the speed limit. On the way, uh, people leaving Murfreesboro headed down to Nashville to work in the morning. We're going to patrol that corridor of I-24. There will be not only a flurry of tickets, but a flurry of wrecks by people looking at police officers giving people's tickets during rush hour. So it's having the wrong impact. I I think... I think that police departments and prosecutors uh, need to make common sense judgments about how much leeway they're going to give in the law. And I personally don't have much problem with that as long as it's uniformly applied to all people, regardless of who they are and what their race is and things like that. None of that should make any difference. If the police are going to let you go 75 in a 70 without giving you a traffic citation, I understand that. I understand it completely, uh, as long as it's uniformly applied. But it, it needs to be a, a, a judgment. We've got to give them a little bit of flexibility. Now, do these black boxes get used in traffic situations uh, like that on the interstate, just everyday folks? Yes, depending on the severity of the wreck, those boxes uh, will be accessed by the insurance company, or the lawyers for the for the people involved. So we don't get, in our office, we do a lot of traffic wreck work, a lot of truck wreck work. We don't get black box data in every case. We make a judgment in every case whether it makes sense to get it based on the circumstances of the wreck and the extent of the injuries. Because you have to pay to access this data. You can't take your iPhone out and plug it into your car computer system to get this information. You've got to use special software. Some car vehicles even have a special device. Some of the information in most vehicles comes it comes out in a uh, is run through a software and is put in tables that you and I can read with no problem. Some of the data, like on Jaguars, for example, has to be sent to a special lab in England to read. They 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 keep their data private, so it's expensive. It can cost um, oh, for instance, five hundred to a thousand dollars to download the data. If you get a Volvo truck, that is notoriously hard to download. I think they run two thousand or twenty five hundred bucks to get the download. Well, if somebody's in a wreck and they been to the emergency room or they haven't gone at all, all but they're fine in three days. You don't want to spend $2,500 downloading truck data. It's, it's going to really eat into the client's recovery. 
Now, we have a text here from a listener who's asking, they hear questions about insurance companies wanting you to get a discount by allowing them to have uh, your driving habits uh, recorded by them. Is this something they get off of the black boxes? Do they tap into that? Uh, I my understanding is, and I've I've never looked into it, but it's my understanding that they give you a device that basically get, grabs the same information. So you you give them permission to monitor your driving, and they have a um, a device that gathers that information, and and they then have access to it. Is it used against you? I guess oh, is yes. what this person was. Yeah, that's used against you because what they're looking for is evidence of speeding and hard brakes. What we what we call in the industry hard brakes, which indicates perhaps that you weren't paying attention, that you couldn't bring yourself to a more casual slowing uh, stop. So. Event data recorders, for example, are trained to catch data regarding hard braking, not just airbag deployment, but also hard braking. Now, sometimes, if and that is used against, I can see how that would be, but it seems that sometimes if you're on the interstate, uh, the traffic just seems to quickly stop sometimes. Oh, that's right. The, the data could be used or misused in a way that isn't fair. But insurance companies, first of all, you give them the right to do it. As of right now, they can't force you to do it. <laughs> okay, So if you're giving them the right, you're giving them the freedom to use that information in a way that they think is appropriate. Uh, number two, a hard brake may indicate that somebody cut in front of you all of a sudden and hit the brakes, and it's not your fault. But that data is not The data isn't going to be good enough to tell you that. That is correct. Now, if you had a camera, a, a video camera, mounted on your dashboard and caught that, you know, that then that would show that it wasn't your fault. But it's the same thing is true with regard to getting a speeding ticket. If you get a speeding ticket, that can affect your liability insurance rates. Well, I can make the argument that if I get a ticket, I'm more likely to drive slower. So my rates should stay the same or go down, right? That's not what insurance, the way insurance companies look at it. The way they look at it, if you get a ticket or particularly a pattern of tickets, chances are you're speeding frequently, and that creates more risk, which requires them to increase the premium to compensate them for taking on that additional risk. Same thing is true with hard brakes. Tell you what let's do. Let's pause for just a moment. We'll go back and get some more questions from listeners. And in the meantime, if you have a question, the number to text it, 615-893-1450. A word again to the wise, don't text while you're driving. That might get in the wrong hands <laughs> get the wrong uh, end results for you. We'll be right back. John Day, local attorney, is our guest this morning. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSradio.com. Hi, this is Amanda at Animal City. Come see us at 919 Northwest Broad Street here in Murfreesboro. And if you have dreamed of a tranquil garden pond as your oasis, come see us at Animal City. 
We carry all the supplies you need to start a garden pond or maintain the one you already own. Here at Animal City, we have everything you need to start your own garden pond. Come see us and let our 30 years worth of experience be helpful for you. You can find Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas' Restaurants. We have a club steak, and the club steak can be cooked to any flavor that you want. It is the club steak. It's a seven-ounce piece of steak, and we named it that way because it looks like and has the shape of a golf club. We have a low-calorie menu and a low-carb menu, so depending on whatever diet that you like, we have options for you that are available at Demas's. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. Norm Alzir, he's a World War II vet. In this salute, we talked to a World War II veteran. When you went into the war, at what stage? Was it the beginning, the middle, close to the end? Well, it was close to the beginning, December 7th. How many were on your crew? Six gunners and four officers. Did you ever keep count of how many you shot down? Well, yeah, I shot down three. How old were you when you went in? Nineteen. Nineteen years old. And what was your parents' opinion of the... the... No, my parents were dead a long time. I was an orphan. Being the young man you were, what kept you going? What was the driving force inside of Norm? I don't know if I could really answer that. You had a job to do, and you had to do it. That's about it, you know. Uh, you just didn't worry about it. You just no, did it. You did it. That's right. And uh, whenever you got back from a mission, you kissed the ground. I'm glad you're alive. Well, have you experienced the nightmare of water, mold, or fire damage? Hey, everybody. Evan Lee Raymer here with you with the Evan Lee Raymer Show. I want you to tune in with us every Sunday night from 8 until 10. We'll talk about some politics, some local politics, national politics, and a little bit of everything. That's the Evan Lee Raymer Show with you every Sunday night from 8 till 10. We're loud. We're proud. We're blue. WGNS AM and FM, your home for the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Welcome back. We are broadcasting from the Willow Window Broadcast Center. Willow Window, making your homes beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks. Online, check them out at willowwindow.pro. Local attorney John Day is with us today. Very interesting topic. Uh, We're talking about the Tiger Woods wreck. Uh, In fact, he was going 85 in a 40-mile zone. But even more important, uh, how would that impact you if you were going 85 in a 40-mile zone or going 90 in a 70-mile zone, uh, the interstate? If you have a question, if you'd like to text it to us, give us a text call, 615-893-1450. We also take that old-fashioned kind uh, where you actually talk. 
<laughs> but uh, what kind of data does this black box have? What what? And and most cars you say do have these nowadays. Most yeah, all the ones I can't think of a model that doesn't include it today uh, in cars manufactured today, and even in the last couple of years, a substantial percentage do. It's just the older models. If you get more than ten years old, it it falls off. So even the little bitty cars. Oh yeah, yeah. Even the little uh, yeah. Oh, they all do because they all have uh, computer systems yeah, that operate okay. various parts of the vehicles, and they throw in the little boxes themselves are called electronic control modules. And you've got multiple electronic control modules in your car to do different things. The one that gathers the, the event data recorder recorder module is usually under the driver's seat or in the console mm-hmm. and it's not readily available you know don't go mess with it folks because <laughs> that doesn't that wouldn't be good but it's there to, to in a place that can be found in the event of the crash but they gather information constantly as you're driving down the road so Remember I said under federal law there are 15 types of information that are constantly being gathered. So you can it, it shows how much pressure you have on the gas pedal, whether the brake pedal is deployed, how much it's deployed, whether your seat belt is on, where your seat is on the driver's side, usually sometimes the passenger is on the track because your seat can go back and forth. Whether your airbag is functioning, whether there's an airbag warning light saying your airbag is not functioning for some reason. All that information is constantly being gathered, how how fast you are driving. But some information is deleted very, very quickly because think about it. You've got a chip in there that's holding this data. Chips are only so big. Some information makes no difference a day from now or an hour from now. So some data is constantly overridden. In a the event of an airbag deployment and sometimes a hard break, the automatic erasure erasure of data is stopped for the previous a previous number of seconds, often five. So if you let's assume you're going down the road, you're in a wreck, your airbag deploys your event data recorder stops getting rid of information and holds the last, say, five seconds. So when that that event data recorder is downloaded and it is put into table format, you can look at it and see five seconds before the crash, the driver had the gas pedal 82% deployed and was driving at 53 miles per hour he was wearing a seat belt. The, the airbag was functioning. Uh, there was no alert that it was not functioning. And then you can see when the brake is applied prior to impact. You'll know when impact was because that's when the airbag deployed because they're employed in, deployed in literally milliseconds. So you can see, hopefully, speed decrease and you can see the brakes come on. Um, now, that won't happen if it's a sudden event, right, and there's no time to deploy, or you don't have the time to react to what has happened. But in many cases, you're able to see the speed decrease and the brakes go on 
you'll see the airbag event, and then you'll see what happens to the car thereafter. What direction does it go? How does the speed continue to decline? Uh, is there let up on the brakes? Uh, that sort of information, and it's all preserved right there for later download if it's needed. Now, that black box, let's say, and you see especially pickup trucks that are way up in the air these days. They have giant oversized tires, and they also jack them up. Or you see sometimes vehicles where the front end is way up and the back is way down. Or you are driving down the road and you suddenly hear this thumping noise, uh, which has a beat to it. Right. (laughs) And the air starts moving vigorously around you. Uh, are all of those things recorded? Because those have uh, some connections, I would think, with a potential accident. If you have an accident, does it show that your vehicle is not at the same level that it originally was created for? Or that uh, a boom box is uh, really pumping out the sound? Not to my knowledge, it does not. And yeah. those would be big factors. They, they, they obviously they could be factors, Yes, they could be factors, but I, if it's not original equipment built into the vehicle, my guess is, and quite frankly, this is beyond my knowledge, but my guess is that they can't design a system to capture data about that. Here's a, a listener's question. Why do we have traffic laws if it's okay to break them, like uh, lights on if the wipers are on? I don't think it's uh, – we, we have – traffic laws to enhance public safety. I don't think it's okay to break them. I think from a practical standpoint, however, police and district attorney's offices have been given some leeway on when they enforce them. And we can we can disagree whether they should enforce everything to the letter of the law or you know or or they should give a leeway. I know I was very upset when my teenage daughter went to driving school and the driving instructor told her that she could go 10 miles an hour over the speed limit and not worry about getting a ticket. Oh, no. Which was that's, a horrible that's thing what to you tell the 60- Yes. <laughs> a horrible thing. So, no, we, in, in, I guess in a perfect world uh, where we had lots of police officers and we had plenty of capacity in our court systems, every law would be enforced according to the letter. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and I, I think, quite frankly, given realities, it's unreasonable to expect that it will work that way. That doesn't mean that each of us shouldn't work to follow the law. But it, it, if, from a practical standpoint, it just isn't going to happen. And as I said before, and I really believe this, you and I both know you're driving down the interstate and a police officer has somebody pulled over, especially if they have them pulled over on the left, on the inner side, on that median strip, traffic slows down because people are looking to see what happened. People just can't help themselves. When that happens, the risk of rear end collisions go way, way up. You know, the fact of the matter is everybody going down the interstate at 75 miles an hour if there's nothing, no lane changes, no nothing, then there's not going to be a wreck, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Where wrecks happen is when there's change in lanes or change in speed. And so I think 
and I, I can't, and I'd love to hear what a police officer would say about this, but I, I, I got a feeling the police officers give some leeway, including on the interstate, as a way not to trying to avoid wrecks that occur. Well, here's an interesting explanation, uh, and this supposedly was a report. Uh, this listener says the report on Tiger Woods yesterday was that his foot slipped off the brake and hit the accelerator. Now, I don't know how that would explain 85 and a 40-mile zone. Well, the what I read and what I heard is that the brake wasn't applied, that the accelerator went up to 99% deployment. So the, the thought was not that his foot slipped off the brake onto the accelerator, but he the, the assumption is he must have assumed that he was pressing on the accelerator uh, on the brake uh, brake when in fact he still had his foot on the accelerator and, but this was not his car and maybe the brake was a well, brakes are in basically the same place well they're in the same place uh and you know i i i found that a little bit curious but i also i also found it curious that there was a 99% deployment on the gas pedal so it, it registers that it, 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 it not only the speed but the percent of uh, of engagement on the gas pedal yes now one thing uh, i've seen this on the interstates people you'll be driving along at the same speed as you say to avoid wrecks and then there's some guy who comes flying by moving in and out of traffic weaving through there to get ahead and who knows how fast he's going well, he, he not just f- cuts in front of you at a higher rate of speed. Then he hits the brakes, right? Right. <laughs> because he's going too fast, he's going to run up onto the next car, and then he does the same thing again. Hits the gas, goes around, and trying to save. Yeah, that's that's how a lot of people die. I mean, it's that kind of aggressive driving that gives rise to about 22% of the deaths in the United States every single year from highway crashes. I guess the real question then, with this transition that we seem to be in toward uh, vehicles that drive themselves, or at least help you drive them, uh, will, will those safety computers actually work for us? Well, the, the autonomous vehicles get even more data than that. I mean, they are, they are, they, they're pumping all sorts of data through the computer system because they're also, they're having to drive, right? They have to see. So there's cameras all the way around that vehicle that are constantly gathering information and feeding it to a central computer that is trying to determine whether you need to move over a little bit in the lane or anticipate the upcoming curve or someday there's a pothole, uh, et cetera. So they're gathering video data as well. Yeah, they're, it, the time will come when we will be able to get access to the last five seconds of a crash and we'll be able to see it happen in real time in video. In fact, Today, in, uh, we do a lot of uh, tractor-trailer wreck cases, and we are seeing an increasing number of crashes caught on video by the truck driver that we've brought a claim against. So I remember one just, uh, just a year ago 
where the truck driver is going down the interstate, and you can it records the speed. It's on the video, and you can he had an automatic collision avoidance, so it's it's built in to detect a problem ahead and apply the brakes. You could see just as the driver saw traffic stopped ahead for a wreck or a police officer giving somebody a ticket, whatever it was, the driver never hit the brakes. The the visual, the, the computer hit the brakes at 45, but he did it did not stop in time. It's 80,000 pounds, right? And it, it killed uh, the woman in the car that they hit from the rear, pushing her into another tractor trailer, and it's all captured on video. Mm. And that'll be soon. That'll be true with cars as time goes on. Another text from a listener. This one says, "My car slows me down. I'll set the speed limit uh, to go a certain speed on the interstate, and if I come up to a car that's going slower, it will slow me down considerably on its own." Is this part of the equipment you're talking about? Yeah, that it's that's another device that's part of the computer system. And that information would be captured as in the event data recorder. My car has the same thing, and I love it. And I'm a cruise control guy. So when I drive down the interstate, unless it's heavily trafficked, I put on cruise control, and my car will slow me down and then speed me up if things, yes. So that information is gathered as part of the event data recorder, but it's actually managed by another electronic control module. So does that actually reduce your risk of having an accident, make well, you a safer driver? I think it does, because in the event you are inattentive, it catches you. It's just, it's, my car also tells me if I'm drifting across the middle of the, of the lane, lost into a different lane, it'll warn me of that. It gives me a message through my seat. So there's all sorts of things that the automobile manufacturers are, have come up with to reduce the risk of collisions. And, and uh, quite frankly, they're good things. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're going to pause and then the final segment of the show. So if you have a question that you really want to get out, text it to us quickly, 615-893-1450. John Day, local attorneys with us this morning. Interesting questions, interesting answers, too. Dealing with wrecks, especially the Tiger Woods situation. Money issues? There's someone local you can talk to. Financial Coaching Radio with certified financial planner Jason Qualls. Weekdays at 4 on News Radio WGNS. This is Tina Fox at the Relaford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your home, lawn, garden, and farm needs. We have everything you need to help with your garden, lawns, farms, whatever you need for the perfect gift for your feathered friends and your furry friends. Please come see us. We have baby chicks. You don't have to be a member to shop with us. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off South Church. Old friends, new name, better together, as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. 
We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. We'll see a few spotty showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon with a blend of clouds and sunshine developing high in the mid-70s. Winds out of the southwest gusting as high as 25 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 59. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. WGNS talks about all things local. It's Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS, AM, FM, and online. Welcome back. John Day is with us, local attorney. Man, he's giving us some information that is powerful on safe driving. It it boils down, it sounds like, to it's good to have these extra safety devices, but it boils down to you need to be alert and aware of what's going on around you. Don't depend on something else to to hopefully work. I mean, the, the, I think it's important to remember that the safety des- devices are designed to be there in the event that you're not being the perfect driver all the time. <laughs> They're not an excuse to um, to be inattentive. Uh, now, the fact of the matter is all of us are human. All of us are going to be negligent from time to time as we drive vehicles. We can't be perfect. These devices will help us avoid a wreck and hurting somebody, but they're not a substitute for being an attentive driver. But these black boxes are in most of the cars. Be aware of that. Uh, if you if it takes some extra uh, push to make you be more alert, safer, obey the laws around you, uh, be aware that this black box is recording what you're doing. And it, 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 it's going to record whether or not you've got a seatbelt on. And so, you know, I have people from time to time say, well, the airbag didn't deploy in my car. Well, we look at the black box data, and one of the things is, well, you didn't have a seatbelt on. And what what that's going to tell the car manufacturer, and I think most people, is, well, you you could help contribute to your injuries by not wearing your seatbelt, right? Or there's going to be a fight over whether the failure to wear a seatbelt made a difference. So that, yeah, there's, it's, the car manufacturers are gathering this information, and it can help you or it can hurt you, but it's out there. And you see every day the negative impact of not wearing seatbelts. And we hear it on the news. This person was ejected from the vehicle. Those are the ones who die. Yeah, there's unfortunately, there's also news reports where people get ejected and live. And that's what some people use that as a justification. Or they say, I'm not going to see it, wear a seatbelt because if my car catches on fire, I won't be able to find the latch and get out of the seatbelt. All those things are interesting. The bottom line is this. <laughs> if you wear a seatbelt, you reduce your risk. Does it eliminate the risk? No. Does every time you, if you're in a wreck and you're not wearing a seatbelt, did that make your injuries worse? 
it depends on the nature of the injuries. You may have been injured anyway. Uh, can you get injured by airbags? Yes. You know, they explode out at you, in particular if your seat is too close to the steering wheel or to the dashboard and you're a little person, uh, you're going to have some injuries. You may have uh, bruising on your chest or some burns around your face. Yes, everything has some element of risk. But seat belts save lives, no doubt about it. We have one question, and I think this will be the last one we can get to. When someone falls asleep driving, what are the limitations of his responsibilities for fault? There is no limitation. <laughs> there is, I mean, you have a duty as you're driving down the road to uh, exercise due care, to be attentive, uh, to travel the speed limit. Even though I said you're not necessarily going to get a ticket, right? You have a duty to do all those things. So if you fall asleep by dri- driving, you are negligent as a matter of law because you're being inattentive. And you're going to be held responsible for whatever harm you cause. We have about 30 seconds left. Any final thoughts you'd like to share? Any encouraging words? Well, I would I would encourage people to remember that information is being recorded uh, when they drive and uh, uh, safety-related. And if, have, uh, for instance, you have OnStar or one of these things in your car, it's gathering a lot more information. It's gathering information about how many times you go to the grocery store, how many times you go to the dry cleaner, how many times you go to Toots. And <laughs> it's all recorded. So, And it's also being tracked in your phone, by the way. So we live in a digital world where we're going to be continued to uh, have uh, certain invasions into our privacy, and we need to learn how to manage those things. And those are all available to the courts. They are all available to the courts if you've got a lawyer who asks the right questions. Yes. Attorney John Day with us, and that's why you do uh, come out better with an attorney. John, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Bart. John Day with us. Uh, look forward to your next visit. Truman is with us next, right here on your good neighbor station, WGNS Murfreesboro.